listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next half hour or so we're going to be talking about all things food and drink, mostly drink actually, uh, this week. Um, I'm joined by my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd, founder of Great British Chefs. Hello Ollie. Hey. And Holly Shackleton, who's editor of Speciality Food Magazine. Hello. Hello. Hi. Enjoyed your, your programme last week, where we found out much more about what you do. Oh, thank you. I've been um, sort of known you for over a year, and I didn't actually know what your job was. <laughs> well, she I realised. She turned up, just turned out of the studio. Yeah. Well, I didn't know who she was. Just turned <laughs> up and chat. She just, just gate crashed. I'm, I'm big news soon. I know, I know. <laughs> well, we're joined um, today by Natasha Steele of Urban Cordial. Hi, Natasha. Hello. Now, me and Holly, we're fairly familiar with your products. I order your products quite a lot. You've drunk them before, have you? Do you order them yourself? I have. I think we had the pear and ginger come to the office a Did while you? ago. Yeah, I haven't tried uh, the others, but uh-huh. that was really super tasty. But Ollie hasn't, have you, Ollie? No, I'm just, you know. Just, you know, in the sticks of Highbury, we just don't have things Exactly, cool. exactly. Well, um, I hope Natasha doesn't mind, but I sort of did a little bit of research on what a cordial was. Because if you think about it, when you're a kid and you grow up, you've got like Robinsons or, or you've got Ribena. And that's, that's in my head what a cordial was. I didn't realise I could be grown up. Um, but technically speaking, the word cordial is used to describe a tonic syrup or non-alcoholic drink that's often considered to be a little bit sweet. Um, And then some people use it to describe any type of liqueur, but generally it has a low alcohol or no alcohol content. Have I got that right, Natasha? Yeah, so in America, it's more alcoholic. In England, zero alcohol. So a cordial in America is seen as alcoholic. That's interesting. Mm. Mm. And they would drink it neat, like a sort of spirit? I don't actually know how they would drink it. I was just in America and went into every independent food shop that I saw to see if we could find any and couldn't find any, just could just found syrups, um, but nothing with the actual cordial so tend title. To call it more syrup. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. And the French yeah. do that as well, don't they? They 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 call it a syrup. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Most Europeans will call it a syrup. And uh, for centuries a cordial was used for medicinal purposes. Um, in order to cure a person's ailment and because also it was thought to be good for your overall health um, all sorts of uh, cordials were created started during the renaissance a long time ago Um, and most often they would contain spices and herbs to create some sort of cure-all drink medicinal i might do a left field i'm reading a book at the moment which i'm really enjoying which is which is actually about the um, the history of animals and the way we've looked at animals. The by history a girl of animals. called Lucy Cook, and they picked specific animals. There's beavers, there's eels, all sorts of quite sloths, and they trace how wrong we've been over time about the history about what they do and why they live certain ways. I think you can actually do quite an interesting book about what at times we've thought certain things did medicinally and then in they, the world they never of food, did. and they never yeah. did, and yeah. how you know one moment they were you know in the Renaissance people said you know it's very important to you know eat a lot of this, and now we're like do not eat that it's poisonous, you know? <laughs> and, and this and this book is literally like that. You look at these histories of 
how people sort of... Well, do you not think we've gone full circle, though? Because well, now we're, we're going back to food as, in inverted commas, medicine. Yes. Um, uh, you know, and people now saying, oh, you've got to have this because it's good for you and that. And, and it feels like, it does feel a bit witch doctory a little bit, like it, like it used to be. Yeah, and there is more... You know, in the 15th, 16th century or something. Yeah, we, maybe we've made more progress in the world of food. Certainly in, in the old days, they were doing things like, there's a great naturalist who would throw sloths into rivers in order to work out where they could swim. Yeah, or whether they would move fast if you shot them. I mean, it's, it's one of the most amazingly written books by a British. Holly, you know when we do these programs, mm. you know when he talks about his life and what he does, and what, I just, I just worry about his family. It's another world, isn't it? I just, honestly, I cannot. It's honestly. Where do you get these books from? So I was listening to a podcast. You would appreciate this, and there was this this woman came on. She had a it's an American podcast, and she was talking about the sloth, and she's the founder of the Sloth Appreciation Society. And <laughs> the she thinks sloth that appreciation. She's she's this crazy British naturalist who's done lots of TV and stuff. And called Lucy Cook, and this book about the sort of the truth about animals—it's called. It's based about debunking stories. Freud spent apparently an entire summer cutting up eels to try and work out what sex they were, and didn't work it out. Right. It's it's, it's genuinely—it's one of the most hilarious books I've ever read. What was what, this to do with urban cordial again? No, but it's to do—it's to do with the idea of myths and legends of the where we had things. It just tripped me to the world of sloths. You know, but, but you know, we would laugh and say, "Oh, well, in Victorian times, you'd get these guys standing on street corners selling stuff, saying this will cure this and this will do this." Do you not think we're doing that at the moment? No, I think we are. No, no, I, <laughs> really? I, yeah, I don't think we've moved on a lot. Well, I, and I think you're right. We've gone backwards in some ways. You think about—I I often mention the kefir, the goat kefir lady. You know, this is old school food. Hmm. Interesting. So, um, if you just ignore Sorry about that, I'll shut up. <laughs> if you just ignore Ollie, um, <laughs> Natasha. So, Urban Cordial. Why did you set it up? Um, for several reasons. Mm. I used to work for one of the big accountancy consultancy companies in the city of London. You can name them. Deloitte. Unless, unless, unless you want to go back and get another job again. <laughs> I didn't. I do not want to. Okay, so um, Deloitte's here. Yeah. yeah, so I work... One of the big four. One of the big four. And I go out for drinks with mates and I didn't drink alcohol for about 10 years and go to bars and there was nothing for me to drink other than a J2O or a Diet Coke. Um, and I've got an allotment and I would just make cordials out of whatever was on the allotment. Uh, where's your allotment? In Collindale. Excellent. North yeah, London. North yes. London, which I still have, but I now share it with a friend and it's mostly his because I don't have enough time to tend to it. Um, so I just started making for myself and taking it to mate's house. Um, one day was like, oh, maybe I should sell this as a hobby, purely a hobby. Um, and so that was one reason for starting the business. Uh, well, it was a hobby. It didn't become a business until two years later. And the other reason um, is because there aren't any decent cordials on the market. Not and for I, grown-ups. They no, are considered and I still a don't think there product. are, other than aren't mine. They, they are <laughs> yeah. considered a, a children's product, aren't they, don't you think? Um, they were. I think they were. I think yeah. it's changing um, now, um, but they definitely, they definitely were, especially when I first started the business. Um, now, yeah. when you go on to your uh, website, that, that obviously um, food waste is a big thing for you. Yeah. Um, and, and the point of your stuff is it's surplus fruit. Yeah. Um, if you go onto your website, it says the company has saved over 30 tonnes of fruit from going to landfill, which is just, it's an awful thought, isn't it? All this stuff that mm. we can actually use, it's, not, it's, just, it's just being wasted. Yeah. As and, of this week, it's now over 40. Yeah. Because we just saved about 15 tonnes of pears yeah. um, that were all pressed on the weekend. Um, but yeah, it's... 
it's never been, it was never not an option yeah. to, is that the right way of saying it? It's never Double negative is fine. Yeah, <laughs> to, to not purchase surplus. Yeah. A, it's, it's one of our um, values. We have four um, values and one of them is around the environment. Um, and it's just crazy how much food gets yeah. thrown away. And it, not only are you devaluing uh, the work of the farmer and the pickers and how much it costs to pay those people, you're also devaluing the environment. Of course. Um, and I, so when I finished Deloitte, I went and did a master's in, at King's in water science. And that's where I really learned about how much water goes into growing produce. It's agriculture is one of the largest water users globally. Um, and there's a the whole idea of virtual water. So the water you don't see in your product so in say like the apple lemon and fennel flavor it might have say 50 to 100 mil of physical water in the bottle but the virtual water is probably more like six to seven hundred liters hmm. um and, and that so can be that can really be massive when you're talking about other much more industrialised products is frightening how much water is used yeah. in the making, say, of Coca-Cola. Of, um, of every, even yeah. even what you're wearing and yeah. in, in the meat industry is is crazy. I think mm. a beef burger, one beef burger is something like 2,600 litres mm. of water. So that's, that's also based on my studies. Sure. That's really important to me. So let's have a look. You bought three of, I think, how many flavours have you got now on the eight. site? Eight. You've got eight. Yeah. So um, let's just sort of drag them over here, shall we? Um, and show Ollie in particular. Now, what I really like, Ollie, is it's not just, you know, pear cordial. Uh, you always combine it with something uh, really nice, in my personal opinion. So one of my favourites is um, pear and ginger which I order quite a lot, um, and, and they just go so well together. Uh, you've got the... Is that the raspberry and rosemary? Raspberry and rosemary, oh, yeah. See, that's so nice as well. What have you got there, Ollie? Apple, apple, lemon and fennel. There you go, see? So, which one would you like to try first? I like the, I like the apple, lemon and fennel. Come on, then. Now, it's my favourite flavour. What is, is the it? optimum if you've got a cordial, as in... Oh, you've got, you've got some sparkling water I've got, for yeah, us, have you? Yeah, I think it goes best. Yeah. So what's the optimum, you know, um, proportion ratio? I do it about a one to seven, one to eight, because I don't like them strong at all. Um, you see, I really like them strong, so I do one to three. <laughs> That's very good for your <laughs> consumption metrics. It is very That's why good. I order so many. Yeah. <laughs> I just love them. <laughs> we, well, to be fair, the other week we were, we actually don't, Sue does this to a lot of our guests, we had a lovely people from the Wasabi Company in, and uh, they had a very delicious sauce, and Sue was actually suggesting that she could drink it. So that was so nice. That it was sauce. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like vinegar; it's like a vinegary thing. But I could have drunk that instead of wine. It was marvelous. It's like a good Rioja. <laughs> yeah, it was. Or or a bad Rioja. Bad Rioja. No, it was like a good Rioja. It was gorgeous. So, what do you think of that? Mm. It's grown up. It is grown up. You I can mean, make cocktails of these as well. I've sometimes done cocktails with them. Yes, yeah, yeah. So on the mm. back of all of our bottles, we have uh, spirited sip suggestions. So how do you? What do you do with with your favourite? So, um, the spirited sip suggestion on the bottle is a gin and tonic, but it's actually the one that. So it's my favourite for a soft drink, but right. my favourite for a cocktail is the raspberry and rosemary. And what do you do cocktail wise? There, I do it with um, 
a dark rum, some Cointreau, some Creole bitters, um, lemon juice, shaker. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you yeah, not so, bring any rum with you then? So no, clearly you've no, started, you, you started, <laughs> drinking, you started <laughs> drinking after your... You said you said the story you yeah, told. Yeah, so was... I didn't drink for 10 years. And then it was actually, it might have been eight years, eight or 10 years. It was my last day at Deloitte and a <laughs> colleague of mine um, at my leaving party uh, bought me a gin and tonic. Um, and I tasted it and I was like, oh, it's, actually, it's actually not bad. And that's well, when I started drinking. Okay. As, as, <laughs> what a slide. <laughs> as, as anyone says, you know, if you are going to be an entrepreneur, it, it, it probably goes to the territory. Possibly. Possibly. Well, being an entrepreneur is tough, so you yeah. need some type of poison. Don't need to help you through. <laughs> but so, um, um, yeah, so we we have loads of cocktails for each flavour that we're constantly creating new new ones, working with bars and restaurants that we supply, um, letting them know how they can be best best be served. Now, I know you've had a rebrand because your labels didn't used to be like this. So, no. so um, when did that happen? Um, the end of last year. Mm. Yeah. So How's that gone down? The first three months of this year, the business grew by um, 300%. Wow. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's down to the branding um, because the flavour is still predominantly the same. Same, yeah. Yeah. And it's made it a much better standout, hasn't it, on a shelf, I think? Yeah. And it's pr- predominantly why we did it. <coughs> yeah. To Sorry. be, to stand out against our competitors and to be something different to be a challenger brand in an industry that is quite saturated it's not as saturated as a nut gin. butter or think, yeah. Yeah, or gin um but it definitely is there is there, there are other companies out there that's kind of just i've just tried the raspberry and rosemary isn't it lovely i mean no i've eaten a fair number of raspberries in life i've been to a lot of chef restaurants in my life where they've served raspberries Never raspberry and rosemary, and it really works. Yeah. It really does, doesn't it? I mean, it really, I mean, it's like, really earthy. But it, I mean, it, it really yeah. works. I mean, I'm kind of like, why haven't I come across that before? As, as a combination, it's brilliant. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love that flavour. We also use fresh rosemary, so it's the only flavour where there's a herb that we use as fresh. So fennel, we use fennel seed. Um, we have apple, cinnamon and clove. We use it dried or um, cloves. Um where did you come up with that? Was that did you see it somewhere, or is that literally an idea that you? They're all from my head. Really? Yeah, there's um, we do strawberry and sage. That is a really nice one as well. <laughs> I love that. Mm. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah, it won two stars at this year's Great Taste Awards. But that one was a pure accident. I've got a flavor bible and a, you know the famous flavor oh, yeah. thesaurus. Oh, I love that book. So yeah. I've got that one, and then this other big flavor bible that my brother. Um, bought for me and I was looking through it saying oh what goes with strawberries because I really want to use strawberries in one of my flavours um, and I go down and then I see oh sage and I was like that's random mm. so I made it and I was like oh actually it quite works and then I looked back in the book and saw that at the bottom of the strawberry page there was another heading that said stuffing <laughs> and then see and I had missed the heading and the stage, <laughs> sage was actually for the stuffing <laughs> so that was a pure kind. accident oh, yeah. that worked very well that's good it's really really good Ollie, in terms of soft drinks, um, I know with your research and all sorts of other things, um, they're becoming more and more important, aren't they? Because people who don't want to drink are not putting up with coke out of a gun and all that rubbish anymore, are they? They're looking for some really interesting variety. And when you think about all of the amazing alcoholic brands there are and all the different sorts of drinks, why shouldn't there just be as much choice for soft drinks? There should be, shouldn't there? Totally. And the the fact of the matter is I think also, you know, even kids 
are being provoked from a sensory perspective. You think about people like Causton Press, their kids' little pouches are, are still quite weird combinations. You know, mango and orange would not be something I would have had as a kid. But that is the kind of thing kids have now, which means actually they'd be kind of, I think, you know, that we need to keep pushing the boundaries on, on, on what people want to taste. And I think what's interesting about this is that you can see the benefit in a sort of alcohol environment as well as a non-alcohol environment. Yes, it's very And flexible. that's really nice. Mm. And um, Holly, for, from an independence um, point of view, would this sort of very stand out? It's very British, actually. There's a bit mm. of Beryl Cook, I think, um, in terms of label. But in terms of that standout, that's exactly It's much the better sort. than Beryl Cook. I like Beryl Cook. Um, uh, um, it's exactly what you would want in, in an independent retail store because yeah. it, it, it's, it, it's local, it's using up, you know, it, it's, all, it's trying to combat sort of food waste. It's exactly the sort of story you would want to tell in an independent retailer. Yeah, definitely. It takes all the boxes. And I think the, um, the flavours as well, just that bit of so apple and lemon may be quite familiar with a kind of tweak of fennel is just a kind of would attract the more foodie shopper um who obviously go to the independence mm. uh, yeah that's great so so what's your plans it's 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 getting bigger you're, yeah. uh, you're happy you've left it deloitte so that wasn't i mean that must have yeah. been quite a leap but but you're, you're sort of reasonably happy with that yeah well i left deloitte and Best went decision. and did my master's and then after my master's, I went back to a different company. Um, I worked four days a week at there and then three slash seven days a week on the business. Yeah. And it was when the cordials got listed on the menu at the Ledbury that I uh, I was like, so, I've just got to give it a go. Got to do it, see got what to happens. Do it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, so how do you make that leap from, this is coming out of my allotment, I'm just selling it on the weekends because it's like a bit of fun. How are you scaling up and managing to do that? Because as you get bigger, it's going to be much harder to keep control. Yeah, you know, of of getting hold of the produce, know, ingredients, the produce yeah. that you want, uh, keeping the quality. Uh, yeah. I mean, are you using contract manufacturers? So we have a contract manufacturer. It's a tiny vineyard um, in the country somewhere, um, and they're amazing at helping um, source produce. They press a lot of juice um, as well, and what. And they have a lot of farms coming to them saying, we have this amount of excess pears or yeah. apples, can you help us? And then he'll give me a call and say, we've got this. And sometimes he'll just press it for me and store it pressed for when when yeah. I need it to make sure that that fruit doesn't get thrown away. And then we've just got good relationships, um, building more relationships with other, with other farms, some that our manufacturers introduced us to um, and others that we just cold call and... And ask, but it is a volatile um, industry. Um, the big, the B word doesn't help at the mm. moment. Um, it's really scary, actually, what that might do to the industry um, yep. and just to the supply chain in general. So, so, uh, but how are you going to move on from this? So, you've, you, you know, you're there where you are at the moment. Are you, are you really going to go for it and and sort of because you're going to end up being sort of running a business, which is you know, more to do with business than, than f- you... Than the fruit. Fruit, yeah. Well, it's, it's... It's a hard one to do. It's hard, but it's it's part of the business is making sure that it is environmentally sound. Um, it looks after people's health. You know, they're all low sugar. Um, and that um, and that we still give quality to the consumers. And it just means calling more and more, speaking to more and more farmers and getting them on board. Unfortunately, the cosmetic standards still exist and 
there's a whole other load of reasons why there's fruit surpluses, depending on the climate change, sure. will will affect it. Mm. Um, so food surplus will will always be there, um, and it's just building relationships with more and more suppliers. Yeah, and keeping control. Of the, the other thing that's interesting yeah. is, which I hadn't, I know Sue, you may be drinking a three to one ratio, <laughs> but if you're drinking at a six to one ratio, you are transporting one-sixth of the volume between the factory and people's homes. So from an environmental perspective, cordials are a better solution yeah, than pre-mixed absolutely. drinks. And actually, you know, when we think about the fact that we're obviously... You know, the, who knows what's going to change in terms of taxations around transportation, around, you know, food miles and all the rest of this stuff. But there's no question of the direction of travel. And I think that actually being in a product that is that is clearly... It built into it is an environmental, just from a sort of a volumetric perspective, I think is really interesting. But syrups are becoming trendy. Isn't, hasn't Coca-Cola got a syrup out now and all sorts of other people, you know, and you can make your own tonic. And, you know, I think syrups are going to be a big thing because of that transportation issue. Yeah, I hadn't heard, seen the Coca-Cola thing. But it, it just feels like it's... I might have just made that up, actually. If, if, if they invent it, it's, it's Sue owns it, all right? Sue, Sue, Sue trademark. But, the, but there, is a, there is a trend towards starting to do syrups, I think. Yeah, it makes sense. Concentration. Yeah, absolutely. It's a much smarter way of, of preserving products, of, of creating intensity. Do you think the, the soda stream thing will come back? Well, it has. I mean, it has okay. sort of. I mean, do you have one? Yes. You? Yeah, I just, we got we. There's a new one called Arc, and it looks very futuristic. Is that, is that actually made by SodaStream? No, it's oh, a Dutch that's company. Quite controversial. And the way the bottles hang from midair, and it's really cool. But no, I got one a few weeks ago. They're amazing. I don't know what I'd do without it. You see, I, I've I've got this. I mean, we always joke about things that are in my house. But one of the things I've got recently that I'm absolutely obsessed by is a water bottle that I keep in the fridge with a stick of charcoal in it that takes all the impurities out. And it's literally a large stick of charcoal and it goes in there and you you keep it for um, a certain number of months and basically it takes all the impurities out of the water. And What I, are you talking about? <laughs> do you not do that? I was just going to say. I don't know what you're Sue's talking about. Sue, come on, I'll, I'll have to get So you got a water bottle. It's a glass, it's a, it's a beautiful glass jug and inside it is a stick of charcoal. Very East London. It's very East London. And basically it just means, my, my son refers as charcoal water. Um, and it just it takes the impurities out, and for over a six month period, I mean, it's a hell of a lot more environmentally friendly than people transporting, you know, bottled water around. It's it's a way of taking the impurities out. And I think, you know, I think more and more people can look for interesting ways to do things with water and have water in their home. So where do you get the charcoal from then? It's all from, it's all from Amazon. It's a little bottle from but Amazon. So you have to keep it in the fridge for six months. No, no, no. It, well, so, where does the six? Months so the six months, the charcoal. You know, you change the it charcoal every six months. months. So because you, you can get. Your, so it's a bit like you know the, the like Brita Brit, filter. The Brit yeah. Brita filter is yeah. charcoal, but you're throwing away all that plastic every few yeah, months. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, they don't fit in the door of a fridge, and this yeah. is much more aesthetic and kind of looks. East you can London. also get um. You can also get instead of the charcoal. Sue's going to have one in three weeks. You can have ones with crystals, which kind of infuse the water yes. with all sorts. Yeah, that, of that, now that's yeah. Cabins. That's very Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get none of this in Suffolk. No. <laughs> yes, well, you might in ten years. <laughs> Sorry, the sorry. amazing thing about delivery systems is you can just go onto Amazon and type we in. We don't have Amazon. No, mm. no yeah. <laughs> it hasn't reached Suffolk yet. So, um, so what you need to do then is develop a, a, a you know, soda stream version of this. Well, you could just or mix something. it, couldn't you? You could just oh, mix it or, in a 
Yeah. In one, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I think Soda Streams are definitely coming back. Yeah, I think you know, so. because again, it plays that idea that you. I mean, the reason I brought that water thing up is that you then you just use rather than using tap water, you use filter. You know, water that's been cleaned through the charcoal, and you put the Soda Stream. What was it called again? Arc. A A R K E. Of course, it is for trademark purposes. Well, <laughs> I think we'll probably Poor end Sue. the program there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I've had it. I've had it today. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do get the point about the um, uh, the Brita thing. It, I mean, it's all it's all plastic, isn't it? And and I don't I don't think you can recycle. Well, we probably can get somebody to recycle them. But... And you've probably seen those other water bottles that have the little charcoal filter at the top. Yeah. That's the sort of plastic thing that then you drink through the water. You've seen those things? No. Sort of pop yeah, the I, haven't reached I was going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's just a lot more wastage, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So the, and, and the great thing is you pay, take this piece of charcoal at the end and you put it in your garden. There you go. <laughs> Yes. So, um, we will put sticks. a link to Urban Cordial on the website. We're not going to put a link to any of Ollie's suggestions, <laughs> by the way. What, what, um, my Lucy Cook book. I, you know, I've had two great suggestions today. The Lucy Cook book. What's it the called? The Lucy Cook. Um, the Truth Behind Animals. Or something like that. Or something like that. I don't know what's got to do with the food and drink programme, I don't it's know. amazing. Mm. Came from another podcast. No. Urban Cordial. Um, and where can we get it? So you can buy it on our website. You can get it. Um, we're in 135 national trust sites across the country in a whole range of independents across the country. In London, we're in Selfridges, in the Comran store. Um, you can drink it at any bills there you go. across the country. Well done. Um, well yeah. Done. That's going well. And hopefully soon on... Amazon Prime, but not for no, not, in, not if you're in Suffolk. Yeah. <laughs> National Trust. Like. Or you'd have to send some speciality food magazines offices where the last, yeah, the last exactly. bottle came from. Give you the address. Exactly. <laughs> um, so um, we will put a link um, from the website. Um, I just order it online, so that's where I get it. Or I pop into um, a store that sells it locally. So it's uh, definitely one a good one to have in the fridge. Thank you. So I really enjoy that. Um, so. <laughs> Ollie Lloyd. Ollie Lloyd. You've been listening to the Food Talk Show. As you know, we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. Thank you to my fellow presenter, Holly Shackleton. You're so Who welcome. at least is sensible. See, yeah, yes. well behaved today. Yeah, very well behaved. And Ollie Lloyd, who's founder of Great British Chefs. It's about having diversity around here, isn't it? <laughs> I just don't know how your brain works. No, <laughs> how I. it works. No. Your poor wife. I know. He's an enigma. Yeah. Just will never no, understand. I say that. <laughs> um, if you want to recommend any future guests who feel happy being in the studio with Ollie Lloyd please do get in contact with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show and if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts some are better than others to do with Ollie's tortoise and stuff um, please go on to foodtalk.co.uk or via Speciality Food Magazine website uh, we're on the homepage aren't we Holly? Yes you are Yeah, we are we are um, so have a good week and uh, we'll see you next week bye now bye